Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And we have a lot to celebrate today. <clears throat> New studios. Uh, we were one of the first to cover a huge story, which we're going to talk about in the last segment, so stay tuned for that. And it's just an overall really great day. Uh, you know, I'm, when I started this podcast last year... I did it with the expectation that I was going to have a little bit of fun. And that's it. And over a year later, I'm turning it into a career. I love what I do. So thank you guys so much for listening as always. Um, And you're going to hear that again um, later on. But now let's talk some dick pics. Now, as a gay man, I can tell you. I can get dick pics for free from from gay and straight men. I, for whatever reason, guys just like to show off their cock. It It is what it is. I don't know... You know, I, and here's the thing. I'm guilty of it, too. Um, I've been good. I haven't sent any... I haven't sent any nudes in a long time, actually. But um, not that y'all wanted to hear that. Um, <laughs> Would not be a show without me coughing. And it just goes to show you, I don't need co-host to get cancelled. I can do it all by myself. <laughs> Anyways. So it's coming out now that Michael Sanchez, brother to Lauren Sanchez, who happens to be Jeff Bezos' mistress, got paid by the National Enquirer $200,000 for the the filthy text and nudes that Jeff Bezos sent to Lauren. This this whole story has been just rocking what we thought was a norm. I cannot remember a time and not that I'm old or anything, but I you know Oh, excuse me. I've read a lot of um, biographies and a lot of Jackie Collins. Um, and I don't remember a time when a billionaire actually came forward and said, "Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I was having an affair." And this tabloid tried to blackmail me. So Bezos is really... I mean, I can't say he has a lot of integrity because clearly that's not the case. Um, you know, I'm sorry. I, I can't get behind saying someone has a lot of integrity when they were cheating on their spouse. But I can get behind saying he has balls. Because he does. There is not a doubt in my mind that he he did this to circumvent any more blackmail. But it wasn't that they were asking him for money. Because I think if it had come down to a money issue, he probably would not have spoken out. 
I'm going to venture a guess here that um, the reason why he spoke out was more along the lines of he didn't want to, he didn't want to lie and shake shareholder trust. And I think also maybe um, he didn't want to give in to um, David Pecker, who is who was one of Donald Trump's biggest supporters. Because then you're basically giving in to Trump, and that part I can actually understand not wanting to do. Um, but... I, the reason why I think this is also shocking is at some point Bezos is going to have to recognize that his lover double-crossed him. This is not a oh, but wait, maybe not situation. Those texts got to Michael Sanchez somehow. And if it wasn't Lauren, then we need to know who it was and how he got them. Because texts don't just appear out of nowhere. If Bezos wants to forgive her for, for double-crossing him, that's his business. But since he decided, and this is what I say all the time, when you take something public, you have to give us all the details. It's not, oh, this is, this is public now, but I want to keep it to myself. Mm-mm. No, you lost that right when you took it public. When when you wrote about sending your mistress your dick, you lost the right to say, I don't want people to talk about my dick anymore. Hear that, Brad Pitt? Um, for, for those of you that don't know, um, and, and to be fair, Brad Pitt didn't actually pose for these pictures, um, but Brad Pitt was actually photographed um, with a semi-hard on back in the mid-90s with then-girlfriend Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> so, go Google that, and I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So, one of, the sad, one of the saddest stories that I've had to cover, not only during my time hosting Drunk Gossip, but also... When I had Generation Gossip, um, during all that time, the saddest, one of the saddest stories was the death of Christoph St. John. And, you know, I was talking to my friend Meredith yesterday, and here's why it, that was so sad. Um, first of all, just if you don't remember, go back to the Christoph St. John episode um, from early February... And if I remember correctly, there's at least two segments where I'm literally just reading the outpouring of love from his co-stars. That's not something that happens if someone's a douchebag or an asshole. I, I certainly they would send you know, send condolences or whatever, but these were heartfelt, long paragraphs of just love and respect and adoration and 
so as I, as I said to Meredith, one of the reasons why soap operas were popular, and I still believe they are, they just don't get the linear ratings that they used to because there's so many choices and, um, frankly, they're more, what would happen, and I did this a lot, is you binge them. So you record them all, either on your DVR or whatever, and then you watch them all. So I think they would do really well on a streaming service like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. Anyways, um... Yeah. <laughs> Lost my train of thought for a second, sorry. So the reason why those are, those are popular and and why I think they're a good training ground for writers is because you see these characters every day. You love them. And while I didn't watch Young and Restless for very long, um, you know, I still knew who Neil Winters was. Kristoff was a legend in the daytime drama community. And so that that was very hard. And now we're finding out that um, he had been in a mental hospital just days before his death. His son's suicide a couple years back really, I think, shook him up. And I don't know that he got the help that he needed. Um, but even more tragic than, than that is, um, he, at least in this case, it doesn't seem like he intended to kill himself. Um, the coroner's report, um, revealed that it was by accident, and... Um, that it was hypertropic heart disease, which basically, um, I'm not a doctor, and the doctor I normally would consult with is with his husband, it's it's my best friend Dave's husband, Phil, um, but I'm pretty sure that means he had a heart attack. So I don't know if it was, um, the stress of drinking or what happened, um, but in in that moment, it does not appear as though he wanted to die. So, there's that. Moving on, um, the young the young and the restless will be honoring him with a storyline next month. Um, it's supposed to be a two week event. It's gonna start with Genoa City. Residents finding out about the unexpected death of Neil Winters. And going from there. And on April 24th or 25th, um, they're going to do another tribute episode for him. And this time, um, actors like Michelle Morgan, who played Hillary, Victoria Rowell, who played Drusilla, um, both of them were... Um, both characters were... Neil's wives on the show, um, the actresses are coming back to talk about him. Um, and obviously, the cast and crew from the show now 
will be uh, making appearances on this tribute episode. And, and this is this is how it's done, really. Um, if you're not a soap fan, I get that you don't get what I'm saying right now, but this is how you do a tribute to a beloved actor. It's someone who contributed so much to the success of Daniel the Restless. And, I mean, there's no mistaking he did. The show may have been number one before he joined. But he helped. There's a reason why he was there for for nearly 20 years. And that's because he, he helped define a whole new family on the show. He did a lot of heavy lifting for them. So our hearts go out to Kristoff's friends and family and all of his loved ones and all of his fans. And I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So one of the very first times I was allowed to go to a movie by myself, I did what any good gay would do. And I went to see my best friend's wedding. Julia Roberts and um, Cameron Diaz and um, a bunch of people. And and I loved it. I'm not saying that's what started my love of rom-coms, but it's what started my love of (laughs) rom-coms. You guys learned so much about me. I learned some stuff about myself, too. I never know what's going to pop out of my mouth next. Which is how I get in trouble so much. Um, so, um, I can tell Julia Roberts is kind of stirring up some controversy right now, too. See what I did there? <laughs> so, Julia Roberts was doing an interview um, with The Guardian... To talk about her new movie, um, um, Ben is back. Um, it was, it was the movie that was supposed to return her to Oscar contention. Um, but it failed to do so. It's opening up in the UK, um, this weekend. And. So they, you know, they started talking about things, and she said that the college rivalry scandal was disgraceful, and she's not wrong about that. I, w- I want to make that very clear. I don't think she's wrong with what she's saying about about that. Um, but then they started talking about, you know, the reboot craze, and um, they, she was asked about Pretty Woman. And here's what she had to say. I don't, I don't really think that you can make that movie now, right? So many things you could poke a hole in, but I don't think it takes away from people being able to enjoy it. I love Julia Roberts. I, I think she's incredibly talented. Um, and despite her reputation of being a bitch... In real life, 
I personally would love to sit down with her and meet her and, and talk to her. Interview or not, just talk to her. Because she's been around for so long. She's seen things. She's talked about things. And, you know, I would love to just take it all in. But clearly, the woman is insane. And here's why I'm saying that. Well, I, I kind of understand what she's trying to say. In the Me Too era, it probably would not translate very well. But she's still wrong. And here's how I know she's wrong. Pretty Woman the Musical opened up on Broadway. It's regularly one of the top-selling shows. It's expected to be a major... Tony contender. Now, winning awards does not mean something's politically correct. But what I'm what I am trying to say here is the fact that it's raking in millions tells you that there is a market for this story. Uh, I haven't seen the musical myself yet. I would love to go see it. Um, But. I, you know, I know enough about it. They didn't change much of the story. The book was written by Gary Marshall, who was the director on the original film. So. I'm not thinking that much has changed in the story. And he'd been working on it for years before his death. So. Yeah, I don't. Julia Roberts is just wrong here. Um, And that's. That's the. That's the long and the short of it. She's just wrong. And I... I, I don't want to seem contrary. But the the stats are there to prove that. Um, people will show up to see the movie. The Me Too era mo- movement is not about... Taking away from romance. It's about making sure that everyone's treated equally... In that romance. And I think that's what people need to keep in mind. And I need you to keep in mind that I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So, Anne Rule was the queen of true crime. And she did a really phenomenal job. I remember... um, I was 13 or 14, and I'm pretty sure the name of the book I was reading by her was called um, A Rose for Her Grave, or something, it was something very similar to that. And I remember, like, at the time, I didn't quite grasp. I was was in the middle of a nonfiction, um, whatever you want to call it, era. I, but I was reading everything nonfiction. 
Uh, I read about Reba's plane crash. I read about Leah Iacocca. And I was reading that. Uh, I was reading A Rose for Her Grave. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. And... You know, when when you're that young... You don't kind you you don't really understand a lot, and and I admit freely here, I didn't understand a lot that was happening that was going on. I knew, like I understood the storyline, um, or whatever you want to call it. I understood that part. Like I got it. I grasped it. But some of the minute details I didn't get. And I'm really upset that I cannot find the book again. I've looked on Amazon and, and eBay and everywhere and I cannot find this book. Because um, I want to reread it as an adult. Because I remember, like, the, like some of the stories I just, I, I completely remember. And you're probably wondering why I'm, I'm bringing this up. And it's not because I've lost my mind. Um, but I, you guys know that I've been doing a lot of true crime work. And um, and I really love it. And I, I've actually found a niche in um, porn stars true crime. <laughs> Leave it to me to find a niche that... Include sex workers somehow. And that's not a judgment, by the way. Even though it probably sounded like one. It's not a judgment, I swear. But only I could start working on true crime and then still end up writing about porn. <laughs> um, but one of the things... Like, because I always read up on what, are, what authors I respect do... Um, Harlan Coben throws every idea he has into into his books, which we're going to talk about Harlan Coben maybe tomorrow. Um, so Harlan Coben does that. Um, Jackie Collins just believed you should sit and write. She had. She her outline was basically her writing the first draft in in pencil. Um. Well, pencil or pen on a notepad. Um, and rule. What she believed that true crime author should do is go sit in the courtroom, absorb the case, talk to the um to the victims' families talk to the defendant or the defendant's families if they would allow you to and gather everything up and frankly I don't have time for that I have a job aka a main gig um, I write articles and I'm not talking about just my true crime articles I write all kinds of articles I have a podcast I have to record. I have um, books that I'm writing. So I have all these things that I need to do. I don't have time to go spend 
upwards of 10 hours a day at at a courthouse. And frankly, I don't have the funds to travel all across the country. And, uh, you know, not for, for the record, I'm not saying the end rule is wrong. You probably should do these things. I just don't have the time to. And I don't have a major publisher behind me paying me to do this. But with the Freedom of Information Act, you can do it. Um, like with the Kylina. Obviously, I can't get everything um, that I need. But that's with the advent of Facebook and Twitter. You can reach out to people in ways that you weren't able to before. And that's, that's how I'm doing it. That's how I'm doing my research. I'm emailing people. I'm, I'm sending the messages on social media. You know, maybe it's not the gumshoe work that she did. And, and, and I really, really do respect her for, for the gumshoe work she did. But for my reality, this is what I have to do. And I think this is what is very important for everybody. Is For every writer, if you're a writer and you're listening, do what works for you. If it works for you to go to the courthouse and absorb it and talking to people, Fine. If you're like me and you have so many other things going on in your life, do it my way or combine the two. However you feel comfortable, that's how you should be doing. And for me, I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. So, one of the, one of those thrills I get from, um, that I got from doing Generation Gasman, that I get from doing this... Is when I do a, a, a story or a segment. And then it breaks in the mainstream media after I do it. And, and the reason why that's a thrill to me is not like... Okay, partly I'd love to say I told you so. But um, more than that, I just like to be the first one with with the big story. Um, with the Kathy Lee Gri- um, Grifford. <laughs> the Kathy Lee Gifford story... Um, with the Megan McCain story, you know, I, with, with the Kathy Lee Grifford, I, I already got to say, like, I told you first. With, with the Megan McCain story, as soon as it comes out, we're going to be talking about it again, and I'm going to be able to say, you know, if you listen back, I told you. And with Wendy Williams... We've been talking about this. I've been saying she's not sober. Uh, I don't know exactly what she was doing, but she she came out today on her show and said that she's living in a sober house in the tri-state area. For those of you that don't know, the tri-state area, I believe, is New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. She's living somewhere in the Tri-State area. Um, she she said she is driven to the studio by her sober coach. She films her show. 
after the filming is done, she gets back in her car and drives to the sober house. And then, you know, they have group therapy or, um, no, she didn't say group therapy, but basically, um, that's what you can ascertain from what she's, from what she did say. Um, um, they have group therapy, she reads, group therapy reads, um, lights are by 10 o'clock, and then she gets up and starts the day all over again. She also said that up until, uh, very recently, only her husband and her son knew that she was living in a, in a sober house. And, um... I believe the Daily Mail was about to run an expose on her her living in one. And she was probably trying to get ahead of the story. That's the thought process. But here's the thing. I'm not saying they don't have a story. They, they, they probably do. But I'm kind of curious... Um, how, because her show's not live. At least I, I don't think Wendy Williams is live. I think it's live to tape, which means if anything, they film it um, the day before. And sometimes um, two or three days before. So in this case, she would have had to have filmed it yesterday or uh, on Thursday, because I don't think she records on Friday. Most, most shows don't record on Fridays. Um, the view does because they're live. Anyway, um, so what we know right now is she she fell off the wagon. She she's been open about her past addiction to crack or cocaine, rather. Um, we she didn't say what she was doing this time. Although what I'm hearing is it was a pill situation. Possibly, um, for her fractured shoulder. Um, and at the end of the segment, she said people are either going to be tweeting that she's the bravest or stupidest woman out there. Here are what some of the celebrities had to say. Um... Uh, Tamron Hall, who used to co-host the Today Show, said, Proud of Wendy Williams for taking this major step. Her journey will inspire so many in the same situation, using her voice for good. Don Lemon, uh, who is a CNN anchor, said, I say bravest woman I know. Wendy Williams finally speaks her truth about recovery. Um, The aforementioned Megan McCain said that um what Wendy shared was was not for the weak of heart sending strength and love to you Wendy Williams speaking your truth and showing your struggle and darkness on national television is not for the weak of heart um Whitney Cummings who um she co-created two broke girls Said addiction has plagued myself and my family for my whole life, and I'm just grateful that she's sharing her story to help combat the shame of addiction. This is a disease that discriminates against nobody. 
um, Scandal star Bellamy Young shared, I learned a lesson. I learned a long time ago in Al-Anon that we're not only as sick as our secrets, so shine your light. Let, let us heal with you. There are very few lives untouched by addiction. It's so important that we share how we heal and how we grow. I'm with you 100% heart. Uh, Steven Tyler wrote, you know what's brave? Admitting your failure, admitting your triumphs without a care for judgment. Strength takes time to build. Better late than never. Congrats to Wendy Williams for speaking your truth. Um, Piers Morgan, who was in a feud with Ariana Grande not, um, not too long ago when they've kissed and made up, um, said, love Wendy Williams, one of the nicest and most genuine people I've encountered on US TV. This was a gutsy thing to admit. Uh, to admit, wish her all the best. And and I agree with every single one of them. This was a very very brave thing to do. Um, whatever motivated her is irrelevant. The fact that she came forward and said, "This is my struggle. This is what happened. This is my truth." That's what we need to be applauding. That's what we need to be focused on at this time. Wendy, we love you. Stay strong. And for now, I am going to go. Thank you all for listening, uh, as always. And tonight, we're going to end with me raising a glass of orange juice to you in honor of Wendy. And I'm going to say cheers. Cheers.